0: All right. well hello and welcome to the Women Who Make Us Wine Show. This is our first episode. Jim Morris, one of my favorite people in the world, who is a big deal at Charles Krug Winery, the oldest winery in Napa. And I came cooked up this idea a few months ago and here we are finally with our first guests, Breathless Wines owner Sharon Cohn and winemaker of the year, Penny Gad-Coster, who has such a great story to tell. And Sharon, you know, we're just so blown away by your amazing wines and your marvelous marketing materials. Um, I'm gonna hold on to this glass of the wine that Penny made uh, until the end of the show. But it's just thrilling to have you here and to have this fun conversation. So I'm gonna throw it over to Jim who has a bunch of questions for you guys. And we just are excited that you're here. So take it away, sir.
1: Thank you, Hope. and. Welcome again, uh, Sharon and Penny. This is a thrill to have both of you here. And, and it's, it, it's such an honor and privilege to have you as my very first guests on our newly uh, hatched podcast, Women Who Make Us Wine. And the, the idea of, um, really quickly um, on the show itself really has to do with the idea of r- highlighting all of the great women, not just on the front side of the wine business, so the winery owners and the winemakers, but every woman has had an uh, opportunity to bring wine to people and sell wine and market wine and talk about wine and and it's so giving them a spotlight uh, to do it. And when uh, Hope originally came to me, I said, "Why do you want a guy doing this?" I still don't know why she wants me doing it, but um, but it's they're just I've encountered so many amazing women in this whole my 20 plus years in the wine business and. It really is, a, it's such a cool community. And I wanted to do something to highlight and, and do things um, to spotlight what they do. So, and, and I just, I, Penny was one of my very first people I ever followed on Twitter. So when I was going back to my original uh, roots of who I wanted to have on first, I said, oh, I'm gonna go back to the my, the, the OGs and and, and just, <laughs> And so anyway, and she's been doing such an amazing things. And her partnership with Sharon and her sisters uh, has been nothing short of remarkable. So I said, let's do this. So anyway, so this is, and so here we are Sunday, a little Sunday morning brunch activity. Uh, Hopefully the tens of thousands of you that are watching us live around the world right now, um, you know, we're working on having the women who make us wine blimp. Um, eventually we'll be circling all of the areas we're going to, but for now, um, welcome to the show and thanks for coming, for being on with this. Sharon, I, I'm actually, I'm going to start with the, you, because this kind of all started with you and your sisters. And so I'd love to just have you tell us a little bit about your journey um, in starting Breathless Wines.
2: Well, first off, we're just honored to be here. Um, Hope and Jim, thank you so much for for having Penny and I on. This is really fun and honored to be your first. (laughs) Way back when, my sister, sister two of three, um, that's Rebecca, she and her partner, Bruce Lundquist and Penny as their winemaker started uh, Rack and Riddle, which is a custom crush facility uh, now located in Healdsburg. At that point, it was up a little bit further north, um, but now a little bit more convenient for everyone. So they started off um, just with perfect timing and really focused on sparkling wines. And because of Penny's background, um, it was the perfect uh, launch for that. Of course, they did steel wines too, but it was all really focused on uh, creating that sparkling wine that Penny can create so beautifully. Um, So they uh, forged relationships with growers uh, in, you know, Carneros, um, in the best sparkling wine growing areas. And uh, from there, they, they got it going. Um, our mom, Martha Jane, um, she passed away, and we really wanted to do something in her honor. She has um, a disease called Alpha 1, which is basically. Like um, emphysema though, she never smoked a day in her life. Uh, So, but her inspiration and the way she lived taking no breath for granted every single moment um, just really inspired us as well as just created our lives for us to really um, engage with the big and the small moments of our life and celebrate. And um, I was just telling Penny that um, she has some chocolate chip cookies there on (laughs) her table. And it just brought me back to my mom every day. She would have chocolate chip cookies, warm chocolate chip cookies on um, our counter where we got up and, you know, started our homework with her. My parents were both teachers, so um, school was really important. But that was always, you know, the reward. So it just brought me back. (laughs) And it really made me smile, Benny. That was so cool. So... um, my sister, you know, having Rack and Riddle and having the availability to move forward with um, our brand, and we checked, you know, the trademarks for the name. We really wanted to do breathless for, well, you know, really for, you know, the breathless moments in our lives. And it was available. Couldn't believe it, but we were so excited about that. And then asked Penny if she would you're a winemaker and she said yes and so that was a very special day. Um so we we forage forward. We started out with three sparkling wines. Um and I would say now we have over 10 um, with some really beautiful single vineyard that we're going to get to see today which is um, something very new and very exciting um as well as the lake this that's 10 years um on the leaves that's uh going to be coming out later on this year so that's pretty much how it went, and my sister actually found our logo. Sister three of three, Cynthia. Um, so she's the, our girl on the on the label, and she just looks like she's gonna go live a breathless life, and we all want to go wherever she's going.
1: I agree. I, I'm ready to join you. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> but Penny, you're you're a legend in this business. It's and you really are. And it's like you're you're very humble and you're very sweet and. But it's like you—you you have such great respect around the business, and uh, one of my best friends it, it has great respect for you. Our, our mutual friend Oded. And uh, and but t- tell us you're a little bit more about your journey on the in the wine business, and especially because you're the master of bubbles too, and how you evolved into that side from wine making, regular wine making.
3: So this is actually, I I consider this kind of my third career uh, uh, going into winemaking. Uh, I worked for the government for a few years, doing working on some solar energy projects. Um, And then from there, uh, went into uh, the medical field, uh, working in emergency rooms uh, for a few years, wanting to be uh, potentially a physician um and at some point uh, I, I met my husband actually in the emergency room uh, not because he was a patient he was a police officer and at some point we both decided that we wanted to maybe change our careers um, working in medicine working in uh, law enforcement is not easy um, and not always very fulfilling and so I Grew up, uh, gone to high school in Livermore, and uh, grew up with a couple of the Wentys, And uh, had some friends that went into winemaking. And at some point, I went and talked to one of my friends. He was in St. Helena at the time. And he, I said, can, like, normal people get into the wine business? And uh, he said, yes, of course. You know, you've got the science background. And um, yeah, you, you'll be a shoe in So both my husband and I uh, decided to sell our house. Uh, we sold it in a couple of weeks. Uh, we moved to Sonoma County and um, uh, here we are. Um, I started out at uh, Jordan uh, Vineyards and Winery uh, and worked my way up from Crush Health uh, into an analogy position. And while I was there, we uh, they started uh, the Jay Sparkling Project, and it's funny because I still call Jay the Jay Sparkling Project uh, because that's what it was way back in the beginning before they had a facility and um, were full full on uh, winemaking. So uh, Oded was uh, the winemaker at the time, and uh, he said, "Gee, you know, we're we're looking for somebody." Uh, as an assistant winemaker. I went and uh, had, a, had a little uh, nosh with uh, Oded and he hired me. So I made the move from uh, the still winery to the sparkling winery. Uh, and from there, then I worked my way up into uh, the winemaker position. And then um, after a few years, I uh, heard a little bit about uh, another winery starting up a sparkling winery and uh, got an interview with Brack and Riddle. They were just starting out and uh, they hired me. (laughs) So from there, uh, I just worked my way up, uh, even from uh, the position that I originally started there to executive director of winemaking. And then in uh, 2007, I think 2010, uh, then uh, Breathless was getting going, and Rebecca came and said, Gee, you know, uh, what would you think about being uh, our winemaker for, for Breathless? Uh, uh, you know, you've been making the wines for a couple of years, and because uh, it takes a couple of years before you have wines ready uh, to go. And I said, Absolutely. So, working with the, the three sisters, it was really kind of a dream come true. It it kind of brought me back into uh, the smaller realm of, of winemaking that uh, you really get to put your, your heart and soul into uh, that working for a larger winery, uh, you put your heart and soul into that too, but it's it's not quite the same as uh, seeing a brand and starting that out and uh, moving it along and, and really feeling like you're a part of it. So that's that's
1: really kind of my my story. It's a great story, and the fun the fact that the you guys have come together uh, at Breathless, you know, it's it was meant to be because it just was one of those the true kismet of uh, the wine business. One of the I've been in the business for twenty some odd years, and one of the things that I, I had never considered the adult beverage business as a career until I was. Forced to, my previous life had the the business had changed dramatically, and I was, was living in Healdsburg at the time and didn't know what to do. And started looking toward. A lot of my friends were in the in the wine business, and what what I always like to find out, and I'll ask this both of Sharon and Penny that, it's like when somebody want it comes to you and said, "I'm really interested in the business," other than the logical answer of you are crazy to get into this business. What are some of the reasons to get into this business and to and what's the advice you give to people that uh, would love to be in this business and be part of it?
3: You know, I, I recommend to people if, if you really wanna do something that people enjoy. Uh, and for me, it's, it's being able to do something that people like, uh, enjoy, uh, makes them happy. Um, you know, I wake up in the morning and I go, God, how great is it to uh, get up and be able to make wine? You know, I feel like uh, I have kind of somewhere somebody, you know, just moved me in this amazing direction uh, because it was nothing that I had thought about doing in the very beginning of, of my uh, working life. So, you know, what I would really recommend to them is, you know, if you're really looking for something that is, a nice uh, mix of science and creativity uh, and something that makes people smile, something that you can share with people. Um, got, you know, this is, this is the place to be. Um, but it's a difficult uh, business to get into. And it is, um, you're not going to become a millionaire. Uh, you really do this because you want your, Heart and soul uh, in that business. So, uh, yeah, probably not going to be a millionaire. Some people make it. Uh, Most of us uh, just enjoy uh, being winemakers. One of the
2: jokes about being in the wine business is if you want to, you know, if you if you want, I'm terrible jokes, and this isn't really a joke, but if if you want to make a million dollars, you know, in the wine business, you better start with a billion. There's a big hole, especially if you decide that you want to make it, you know, you want the land and you want to grow the grapes and you want to tend the grapes and, and all of that, all the way through bringing it to the consumer. There's a lot of moving parts that, that have to happen. Um, And it's a labor of love. It definitely is. The beauty about Rock and Riddle is that you can bring, bring your own grapes, your own uh, juice. Um, or you can have Rack and Riddle actually uh, create theirs from the beautiful grapes that they have, and with pennies um, watching over them. So there's lots of options there, which make it easier to start your own label these days. So uh, Custom Crush has really come into its own, um, and having the availability of a sparkling has you know just added one more line to a lot of wineries to be able to have that fun special bubble along with the beautiful whites and reds that they make as well and not have to invest in all of the um, amazing equipment that goes along with it. (laughs) I mean, we, if you come to uh, Breathless, we can take you on tours soon, as soon as we're open again, and uh, we can take you inside, but everything has been roboticized, which is um, just amazing to watch. And You know, it's pretty well (laughs) hands-free. Nobody's touching anything. (laughs) So this, in this crazy time, that's also um, a really great thing. And I guess my passion comes from building business. Um, uh, From BR Cone, uh, we started in 1984. um, That was before a lot of wineries were around, so it was a a, a fun time then. Everybody knew everybody in the valley, and uh, that was in Sonoma Valley. And I started the olive oil company, so that was um, a a new and exciting boutique business and just loved building that business and um, finding new places to share it. Um, And then I started Massage Envy, a couple of franchises in Sonoma which again was building a business, and so with Breathless, I knew, you know, I could I probably had one more <laughs> starting from scratch to to go, and uh, I I love the growth of it. I love um, seeing people enjoy it. I love people in the tasting room. So I'm so happy that we're actually going to open up outside um, come, coming coming up on Thursday again. So that that's yeah. the reward is seeing people really enjoying it being out there and saying, oh my gosh, I have three sisters, or I have two sisters, and um, just connecting uh, on the level that that you are.
1: I have to tell you, I when I went and picked up the wines, it's like, I, it, it's such a charming and beautiful little spot. It's like, it, it is a place I just want to go and hang out, and uh, <laughs> I, I highly recommend anybody that's listening to this, or that's anywhere near Healdsburg, go and visit, because it's the coolest little, it's just like this oasis in this, you know, in the middle of, of Healdsburg right off the plaza. So, you don't know, see it. I hope you wanted to ask them a question.
0: I do, I do. This is so exciting. You know, I think everybody fantasizes a little bit about what would it be like to be in this business? Cause it feels so sexy and romantic and the way you guys have created it not only are the wines fantastic um, but it's just, it's it's like going into some fairy tale, you know? And so I'm just wondering, what does it feel like to be at the, the helm of this, Sharon? And also Penny, you know, like, what is, the, what is the magic behind what you're doing? So Sharon, let me throw it over to you, just the guts of it, you know? What is it like to own a winery? Oh, it's, um, well, <laughs> I have to pinch myself
2: and even think that I do, um, because you get into the day-to-day of a business and just, you know, there's, there's your list and you, you run after it every day, but like an experience, like this, we get to take a moment and pause and look back and acknowledge the things that have occurred. Um, we've had a lot of luck timing has been on our side for sparkling wines. In my opinion, it's definitely increased, um, People aren't just using it for celebrations. It's for brunch. It's for, you know, getting together. It's it's for today, you know. <laughs> so, um, being being a part of that and watching that grow has been uh, really rewarding too. So it's it's wonderful and to be working with um, and Penny is an adopted sister, so um, working with the four of us together and mm-hmm. you know, creating things that people really enjoy and. Actually, they, you know, when they send us Instagram pictures and Facebook pictures of them celebrating out wherever they happen to be with people that they love. Um, that's what it's all about.
0: Well, and, you know, you have this amazing video that you get when you go to the landing page of breathlesswines.com. And it's this gorgeous couple going out like on a Vespa into the vineyard with a saber. And having a saber like lop off the top of the wine bottle has become a signature for you guys. Te- Sharon, tell us a little bit about that. And then Penny, I have a few questions for you. The first thing I learned about
2: sparkling wine, and it, I've always loved it, but when we started the business, um, that was amazing. I first saw this Frenchman, and I guess he does the, you know, the world most sabers in i don't know an hour or something like that and he does it the 1st of january every year and he has these bottles just lined up on this table and he's just boom 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 and just going crazy with it so the first time i tried it it was just so empowering when kids and husbands see their wife doing it they're just like whoa <laughs> you know that's awesome and then that you get to enjoy it afterwards because You know, all all the glasses has blown away. Um, It's, we've actually, it's funny. We're even going to start a favoring group um, where they do things where they, you know, they start off with um, learning, you know, we actually teach people how to do it at the tasting room. So that's so much fun. And it's mostly their first time. So that first time is, is just very, very special. we get to enjoy it, film it for them give them a certificate, the whole thing. <laughs> so. awesome. But Napoleon, he's, he pretty much started it way back in the day. Um, and the countrymen would throw him bottles of champagne and all his men as he was going through the, the, the towns. And instead of stopping and opening it up properly, he'd just take his saber and whack it off and they'd start drinking, which <laughs> was a little bit dangerous because it's pretty sharp. <laughs> but his saying was always, in victory and in
0: uh, defeat, one always needs champagne. Mm, yeah, I'm with that. <laughs> so Penny, you, you talked a lot about your story and how you got to where you, where, where you are now. So talk a little bit about the science of this. How do you make a really good sparkling wine? What's the magic in there?
3: It's magic, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it and that's where the, the great part of the science and the creativity really come together. Um, you know, knowing how the yeast work, uh, how to get the right amount of bubbles, aging time, but then the creativity part of putting together the baselines, uh, what's going to work and what's it going to be like three years down the line after uh, the bubbles have formed. And you know, it really does take a lot of time. I've been in the business almost 35 years, and um, you know, I'm still learning uh, how to kind of craft these things. And um, you know, every everybody that that does sparkling, uh, there's a lot of actually mystery uh, with a lot of what we we do and how it comes out. And you know it's always amazing to me after two years and i go back to those bottles and and there's bubbles in them uh and and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and nice mouth feels and uh you know it's still kind of a bit of a miracle uh sometimes <laughs> uh even though i've been doing it and now it's kind of almost second nature uh it, it's still you know this this wonderful thing that happens in the bottles. Um, because really the making of the bubbles happens in the bottle uh, for the method that we're using, which is the traditional method, method Champagnois. Um, you know, there are other ways to get bubbles in wine, in but uh, really the way we're doing this, this traditional uh, Champagne method, uh, it, it, it is, you know, I, I remember the very first time Kind of working with these and disgorging for the first time, and I was so nervous because I thought, "Oh my God, is you know, is there going to be bubbles in there?" And uh, there was. Um, fortunately, you know, as a microbiologist, I, I also understand uh, how yeast work. So even though I, I knew they were going to eat the sugar, I knew they were going to make bubbles. Um, I was still a little bit nervous about how that was all going to work, and. Uh, now I'm not as nervous about that part of it as I am about, you know, how is everything going to come together at the end of a couple of years time that you're really kind of ignoring these, they're they're really kind of in their little beds and, um, you know, waiting for uh, the time to, to come out and be disgorged. So, uh, you know, they go through a lot of growth during that time. And um, it's, it's, you know, I uh, you 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 sometimes just don't know what you're gonna end up with at the end. so uh, yeah, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. <laughs>
1: One of the things I love about the fact about bubbles in general is, is they're generally for I mean they're celebratory and they're, they're they're the start of something. they're the start of breakfast, they're the start of a great celebration. Um, tell me your very favorite story with champagne what. Is there one memory that it's like, that was the most magical bottle of sparkling or bubbles that I've ever had. And where were you and who were you with? And that's for both of you.
3: Well, I have a story. It wasn't necessarily the best bottle I ever had, but it was, I was just kind of starting out uh, at Jay and uh, somebody gave me a bottle off of the disgorging line And I was so excited because I was going to take this bottle to a girl's night out. The two women that I was meeting with both had been working for Schramsberg for a while, and they actually kind of knew what the process was. They knew what disgorging was. And, you know, I'm brand new and I'm still trying to kind of figure out the lingo. So I I went to uh, meet with them and I set this bottle down and I said, you know, this was just disgorged, but I have no idea if it's going to have bubbles or not. And they both just rolled laughing because they knew that at that point they it definitely would have bubbles. So it was a very special moment uh, when we did open it, and yes, indeed there were <laughs> bubbles in it. Um, so it's one of my favorite stories to tell people when they're kind of starting out and they're going, "Oh my gosh, you know what, what does this mean?" Or you know, "Where in the process is this?" And you know, it takes a little while to kind of learn that that process. So uh, that was a, a special bottle for me uh, because it actually was um, where it was supposed to be.
2: <laughs> Penny, every time she does a tasting with our team, um, she's always delighted. You know, this is it doesn't get old for her. She's always delighted at the process and what became these bubbles and this drink and it just gets you excited about it. So it, it, it is always fun to, to do a chasing with you because we, you incite excitement in, in us. For me, I, um, I have a group of women. We've been together forever and we play mahjong and we took a trip to a friend of ours, um, Elise uh, and Richard Arrowood. They have a beautiful place up in Montana so we all headed up on a road t- well we, we took the plane but <laughs> it was a little road trip too um and he you know was just the host with the most um he brought out a 1975 Laurent perrier i actually have the bottle but i i peeled off the label and right now i can't at the moment i can't find it but um it was such a treat he said he had bought two bottles and he brought one out for us to enjoy and I graduated from high school that year, so it was it was really really special. And all of us were just so um, honored that he would share a magnum of that with us. <laughs> That's my story.
1: Uh, the the wine selling side, because ultimately we're in the business to sell wine, and and we do it in a lot of different ways. We do it. It's like with Breathless, you have this beautiful tasting room. You obviously sell it. Uh, and fine, fine wine shops and restaurants around. Um, it, and there are just tremendous challenges in doing this and how to be distinct and how to get the attention of distributors and so on. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face and what is it that you're doing that will make you st- stand out in the crowd and, uh, and get people to pay attention to you?
2: Well, I think number one, people look, to us um, because we're women in the wine business. And that's um, a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's pretty male dominated. Although even from my past, I've always believed that women were, were the winemakers and had the palate. And um, so in, I mean, in 1984, when we started V.R. Cone, Helen Turley was our first winemaker just her first gig, so um, it was just kind of this natural thing that that happened. So when Penny was there, it was like very natural. But then when you look around, you're like, "Wow, this is big. <laughs> this is very big." And as long as she's been in this business, it's huge. Um, and the accolades that she's gotten along the way, and and the background that she has, and, and brings forth with her, it, it's uh, it's pretty special. And um, we decided not to do the distributor. <laughs> we started off doing it. And they really wanted to sit us down and say, you need to completely change your label. This is not going to sell in the marketplace. Um, and you know, you're let's sit down and, and start from scratch. And we sat down with them and just looked at them and said, but we're not gonna change it, but this is who we are, this is the fun, this is um, this is what we want to, this is what we want to bring to the world. We have the the bubbles with Penny and we love this label and it, it really represents who we are. So doing um, the direct to consumer in our tasting room and having people come in and be able to taste and meet us and you know Penny's walking through every once in a while and they get a get to see and meet her and she's so so wonderful um, with everyone there too and events. Uh, so that's really for us has been the best way. Um, but you also know that you're only going to get to a certain point. You can only only bring in so many people, and only so many people can get to your tasting room. You know, they're living in the Midwest, they're living in the East Coast, they're they're all over the United States, and we would love to be able to touch them. So, while COVID's been going on, uh, we've been working on an ambassador community. So, um, basically people can take our wines and share it with others and they can make money and we get the wine out there with more people um, and they can actually create a business with it. So um, that's what we are launching in March and we're really excited about something something new um, and sharing wine in the world is I think something that we all love to do. We all love to bring our special bottle over to a friend's house you know, when we're having a party like, I want to share this with you. So um, we just, we see that happening and um, we're really excited about it.
0: I'm going to jump in here for a second, because I just want to applaud you, woman, (laughs) because, you know, it gets really complicated when it's business and you're sort of, you're in a male-dominated business. That was one of the reasons I really wanted to do this, especially with Jim, you know, to answer his question, why? Because he, you know, all these amazing people. (laughs) So of course I wanted to. But, you know, to, to stand up and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to change. This is who we are. You know, Incandescent Women is our magazine. And that is the message, right? you got to stand up for what you know is right, because why do it the way everyone else has? So I'm thrilled about your ambassador community. And I hope that Incandescent can help you spread that fantastic word, because this, this stuff is really, really delicious.
1: <laughs> there's, there's nothing better than wine Tupperware parties.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: It's, it, yeah it's it's the more fun version of Amway or something like that it's it's like yeah there's I've seen a handful of other wineries that have done it and it is it is a fascinating thing John Charles I think is the you know the the, the leader in the of, of that but it's but yeah. it is it's a fascinating way I because I was curious to find out how you've adapted you know in COVID times when nobody can come to the winery it's like how are you bringing the winery to the people and uh
2: Yeah, well, it's been a a different change and a different way of getting the wine out there. Um, We literally had almost zero web sales before COVID, and it just had to switch over, and um, thankfully, it did. Thankfully, it did. So the web sales were um, how we kept the wine going out there, and we put out some specials, and our members were so wonderful and supportive, um, as well as... No past purchasers and things like that. So um, we're grateful. We're grateful. Very grateful.
1: Now, Penny, do you get involved with the the virtual tastings and uh, as well?
3: Yeah, I, I really uh, think that it's something that I kind of wished we had done or or had thought of before. Um, this is really a great way to reach people all over the world. Um. Gosh, for probably over 20 years, I I used to belong to a listserv, and actually it's still alive, uh, that was a food and wine uh, listserv. Mm. And one of the great things about that is that we could um, reach out to people all over the world and have this community uh, that all appreciated wine and food. And we would uh, exchange recipes and uh, wines that went with them. And then when you could Skype or uh, you know and actually do these these video conferencing, uh, again you know people didn't have to travel very far or travel at all, and you, the the reach on this is is huge. And I know I've heard a lot of people say you know, gosh, you know, not having the face to face contact uh, is kind of disappointing or or it kind of holds things off and. For me, it's been great. I've actually been able to see people, uh, you know, in in Europe that I wouldn't have ever met before uh, through this media. And so, I I think this has been kind of a great uh, way to meet people, uh, show what we're doing. Uh, I think the virtual tastings uh, were were pretty successful. Um, I, I really enjoyed doing them and, and being able to actually talk to to people and, and not be worried that anybody had to, to go too far or they couldn't attend. So I, I really have enjoyed them.
1: Yeah, who knew a, a year ago, you know, <laughs> we're just used to doing our own thing and the 3D version of our customers would come into the tasting room and now all of a sudden the 2D version has to, you know, has to do and... and Keep us alive and well. So, um, yeah, no, it's it has been a fascinating time, and I think I'm gonna have to sign up for one of your virtual uh, uh, tastings because I would love to taste bubbles with you, with you guys. Your your and your wines are just lovely to begin with. So I'm I've fam- been familiar with them for a while and all that. So moving ahead of, on the challenges that you you know that you see. When you build out, you know, as you start thinking about the aftertimes, as I refer to them, it's like, um, tell me some of the challenges that you see ahead of you that you really, it's like, you relished it, but it's also going to be a a battle to get it going. Um, What what do you see ahead for that?
2: Well, for us, it's going to be keeping the traditional breathless. Wines, our location, our members—just um, really catering to them and building out this new ambassador community together. And um, the marketing, hope <laughs> you can probably imagine, we're going to be going in two different directions, um, and we're already seeing how how challenging that's going to be. But uh, you know, we, we want to keep it real and about what it's about and people celebrating breathless moments with each other so if we just keep that in mind I think we'll be okay but it's um, you know just going out having people come in um, having them feel safe is mm. is the key and um, so we we're doing everything we can around that and then the challenge is always you know wintertime it's cold outside and if we have to stay outside. <laughs> for a while it's 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 tough and even when it gets super hot because it does in hillsburg it was always nice for them to be able to come into the air conditioning and and get cool or take a tour um you know and and get into the cool so it'll the challenge will be when we can really open uh 100 again um and do it the best best we can you know but i think a lot of the what we've are bringing with COVID, it, our, it's going to stand. It, it, it's going to stand because uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be with us. So we all have to pretty much understand that, I think. Mm-hmm. Penny, being the nurse that she is, she, uh, she mm-hmm. keeps us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've well, pushed a few people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and Penny, in, in, in the last few years, the uh, challenges on the winemaking side have been more numerous than any of us care to admit or want. And I think all we have left in the pandemic thing are, are the frogs and locusts. So once we get the frogs and locusts done, I think we're back into safe territory. But from a, from a winemaking standpoint and from a growing standpoint, I'm at, I believe that there's significant climate change going on. It will dramatically affect our business um, you know, moving forward. We've been we've been experiencing fires and floods and hot temperatures and cool temperatures and just but anom- anomalies in on the wine side of things uh, the weather side of things. Um, tell me your thoughts on you know what the climatic conditions um, are doing and you know how, what you, where you're thinking and then how you adapt to some of the changes and what you're doing to prevent forest fires. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wish I could prevent forest
1: fires. I,
3: that's a little out of my hand. However, uh, you know, it has, been, it has been interesting, you know, watching uh, the changes. Like I say, I've been kind of in the industry for, for almost 35 years. And, uh, you know, what I used to say was a normal year, I probably haven't seen in at least 10. Uh, what I would consider an average or, or normal year. And, and I remember last year kind of going, oh, gee, you know, this is kind of starting out. It's actually looking like an average year. And then it just kind of went downhill real fast uh, between fires and, and drought, uh, the rain stopped. So you know, trying to adapt to some of those changes actually in the winery and and still making uh, well-crafted wines has, has definitely become a challenge. Um, I've always considered myself a pretty hands-off uh, winemaker and really letting the fruit kind of show itself. And, you know, we've definitely had some years where that was a real challenge uh, to get uh, good wine. Uh, between having uh, things like um, uh, not enough water so they ripen too quickly, um, or just the heat and they're ripening too quickly, or um, they're they're ripening in an area that uh, molds are are becoming worse because it's a little bit warmer. Um, So there's definitely a lot of challenges out there to Uh, crafting even sparkling wines, and sparkling wines come in a lot earlier than uh, most still wines. But with that, we're still seeing those issues uh, with those wines They're uh, Fortunately, I haven't seen them coming in necessarily earlier, but they're coming in with more problems and more challenges than uh, I've seen in the past uh, that then have to be dealt with in the cellar a little bit differently. Um, how we're pressing them, uh, how we're crafting them, uh, what yeasts we're using, things like that. Um, So it's definitely uh, been a learning curve. Um, You know, I don't think we're gonna see this change uh, back to any kind of uh, what we considered average. Uh, at any uh, time at, at this point, um, you know I think we we do have to really look at uh, how we are dealing with uh, grapes and and winemaking and and what we're uh, planting and where we're planting them. Uh, some of those things are changing. People are already kind of changing what their uh, what their fields actually have, uh, changing cover crops. You know, lots of different things. Uh, how we're pruning, um, you know, all of these things that are dealing with uh, uh, climate change. And then you look even going into Europe and, and the Champagne region, uh, they have some pretty strict guidelines there, and they're having to really kind of relook at that because of the, the climate change. They, they can't follow the rules anymore. Um, so that's, you know, it's definitely a, a changing, changing world in the, in the wine, wine business.
1: Yeah, one one thing I never thought I would hear twenty years ago is the sentence "English sparkling wines." Yes, <laughs> it's like and now there's you know there's a huge number of wineries in England and in other places. And uh, one of my heroes in the wine business is Paul Dolan, and I I, I grew up in Ukiah and, and knew Paul a long time, and and I got the privilege to work with him at one point, and I. Remember him in an interview um, once hearing him talk about the fact that he felt Mendoc- This was God, 15 years ago. He goes, Mendocino County is going to be the next Napa because of climate change, yeah. and he says it has the same terroir, the same everything. It's just, he says, but the where the temperatures are shifting. He says, just watch Mendocino County, and he was very you know prescient in that thought, and it was. But it's, it's really becoming evident whether you are, you subscribe to the climatic change uh, philosophy or not, we're seeing it front lines and firsthand. And it's, um, things are very different than they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And it's, it's not just a seasonal or cyclical thing. So
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: but it's, but this is, a, to me, this is the testament to what makes great winemakers is, learning and adapting and figuring it out and you know the somehow you know the wine industry's been around for about 3000 years and there's a reason that it has survived multiple world wars and other pandemics and you know the conquerors and conquerees and you know uh it and it still is this and it still it thrives and it's it's such a beautiful lovely business and industry to be in so what's the one thing that you look forward to the most accomplishing in your remaining 50 years in the wine business um, I'm very optimistic I refer I refer to my age right now as the middle 50 years so <laughs> it's the last 50 years that I worry about but uh, the first 50 were great fun but <laughs> but in that, so but, but in the future, what's the what's one what accomplishment that you really really want to achieve, uh, personally or professionally?
3: Well, for me, um, wow, uh, seeing you know it it, it was really interesting, uh, kind of going back to being a woman in the wine industry. Um, you know, it's been really fun and great to see uh, more and more women getting into the industry. And there's becoming a little more uh, mentoring. There are some women groups, women winemaker groups and, and just women in the wine industry in general uh, kind of getting together and kind of figuring out uh, uh, the path and, and, and how you can do this wonderful uh, business. Um, so I, I'm really excited. I've, I've had the opportunity to, to do some mentoring um, I, I I love doing that, uh, encouraging uh, women to get into the business, and um, you know I hope that continues. I, I do see that we've made some great strides in the industry. Um, there there still is a little bit of uh, uh, some issues out there. Uh, it's you will in any industry. It's it's no different. Um, but definitely we've made some great strides and, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I don't often like to think of myself as being unusual in the business. And I kind of forget that sometimes until I'm talking to, uh, a group of, of women who are, are maybe struggling with, with some of the issues out there. Um, you know, I really, really hope that we can kind of continue the, the mentoring and, the uh, encouraging uh, women just to get into science in general. I mean, this is kind of a scientific field and, uh, you know, women can do this and uh, just not even, I, I hope that at some point women don't see themselves as, as being unusual in any kind of a profession.
1: Sharon, what do you, what do you hope to accomplish that, that you haven't accomplished yet?
2: Wow. With Penny's winemaking, it's been pretty amazing what has happened. Um, even in COVID, you know, becoming winery of the year and having Forbes mentioned, it's its like keep pinching yourself. But I think for me and um, touching people, especially with the ambassador community and at our tasting room, it's, if you have a passion, no matter what it is, go after it with everything you have and Find those people that can mentor and inspire you like a penny gag poster. And uh, and you can do it. And you can do it. And I think that, you know, seeing people doing it is a way that that people get that reality. And you just have to dig deep and say, This is what I want, and I'm going for it.
1: I can't believe it's taken me almost an hour. To actually ask you to talk about your wines <laughs> it's like here we have all these beautiful wines and you have those beautiful bottles sitting in front of you and we have yet to have you tell us about what we're drinking and especially this single vineyard um, uh, project that you've started and I was wondering if uh, Sharon and Penny if you guys can touch on um, the, your great lineup of wines don't worry I believe in shameless commerce and you're going to have <laughs> opportunity at the end of this talk for the thousands of people that are going to see this video, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to sell wine to them as well. But we'll talk about that. Tell us about the wines um, that, that you have here.
3: So this is, this has been really exciting. You know, uh, it's always fun when you get to uh, get an opportunity to do something a little bit uh, different uh, for your lineup. And at some point, uh, we realized that we had some really special vineyards. Uh, and then one of these is also a clone selection. And it's one of my favorite uh, sparkling wine clones, though a lot of people uh, in the sparkling world would go, really, uh, you, you like that clone? Because it is a very Burgundian um, clone uh, for still wine. Uh, but what it lends to sparkling wine is, is really exciting. So anyway, when uh, Sharon and, and Rebecca and Cynthia uh, said we wanted to start doing some things, uh, uh, some special uh, wines, you know, this was some of the first things that we mm-hmm. kind of jumped onto. And so we actually have two uh, vineyard selections, uh, one is out of the Russian River, the other one is out of Sonoma Carneros, and then uh, the the third one is out of a Sonoma Carneros vineyard, uh, but it is a Pomard clone, so it's 100% a Pomard clone. Um, and again, a lot of people would go, "Oh, gee, you know, that's that's what you would want for for Burgundy." Uh, but really, what it lends to. Uh, sparkling wine into making uh, what is a, a Blanc de Noir, which is the white of the the black, it really lends this really beautiful kind of uh, earthy, um, but still you have a little bit of, of cherry note in there. Um, just a, it really is beautiful. And uh, because it's a, a sparkling wine, there isn't a lot of color to it. And You know, a little earlier, there was kind of a question about some of the things that make us stand out, maybe from uh, another sparkling house. And one of those things is that uh, I really don't like to manipulate the grapes. Um, I really want them to stand on their own. Um, And so these are really great examples of uh, some of those wines that really are able to kind of stand on their own and show themselves off, uh, not only for the regions, but for the type of grape they are. So one of them is a Chardonnay grape. Uh, that was the uh, this McMinn uh, Vineyard, or, which is a Blanc de Blanc, mm-hmm. uh, white of white. Uh, and then the other two, the Blanc de Noirs, uh, showing off <clears throat> their areas and uh, their uh, selections as well. So pretty, pretty exciting. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, because we do want the grapes to show up, uh, they may not be as traditional as some people are are looking for. Uh, when we were talking about distributors, you know, they have kind of a focused idea of what a Blanc de Noir should be, or what a Blanc de Blanc should be. And that's really difficult when you're trying to kind of feature your grapes and not follow just a uh, tradition. Anything you want to add to uh, our uh, our lineup here well the one is
2: a no-dose which um, Uh, yes (laughs) and that is super special and actually my favorite Um, so we it was just perfect the way it was and we decided that uh, we weren't going to add anything to it so that's the um, the McMinn right
3: um, that's been, yeah. yeah. And it's great because it really is showing off what that Chardonnay grape uh, uh, can bring without adding any dosage.
1: So that was, that's pretty exciting. Hope, is there any other questions that you wanted to ask? Cause uh, I, I feel like I could spend like hours just sitting around a fireplace talking and drinking wine and, and having charcuterie. Um, any other questions that you have
0: well yeah you know i mean you guys are so inside this business right and um i just know that it tastes good <laughs> so i think we're gonna have to have penny back on to give us a, like a, a a primer so those of us who want to learn more about really the science of this and encourage other women and girls to go get into the business i think that will be great but no, this has been great. Um, this is the first of many conversations we hope to have with Breathless Wine. We really want to learn more about your Ambassador Program so that women everywhere can help other women you know, grow their businesses, enjoy themselves, laugh and play together, right? That's, that's the job and that's sort of the silver lining of COVID, right? We've all had to adapt, you guys, especially because you're so public facing. Um, and but now you know you've expanded it's online and you actually probably can reach more people and be more powerful at least that's my hope for you all so thank you um you from the from the incandescent bottom of my heart I really appreciate you all being here Jim great job for our first show on women who make us
1: other other than those little technical difficulties and yeah
0: yeah we were not live on Facebook but we will be um, and we're working it out. You know, like everything, life is a work in progress. So we're just putting it out there and doing the best we can and keeping showing up, right? What else can you do?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> well done, would... both of you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, and to those that are watching and b- made, made it through at least my, my, my banter, um, one of the things I, that I love is about small businesses, especially, and, and it's like, these are the people that you should be buying from. These are the people that you should support and tell your friends about because it's like they're just doing what they love and it's like it, it shows in what they do and how they do it and yeah it's what the distributors say about the uh, your label having to do that it's like oh, I, don't get me started on that topic but
2: uh, yeah
1: but but it's like you know you got to be true to yourself and you have to you know there are tens of thousands of wine labels to choose from and probably equal number of European labels. And it's just like, but now you guys have had a chance to meet some of the real people behind the real stories of all this. And so if we wanted to purchase some of your wines, Mm -hmm. um, how do we do that?
2: Well, you can definitely um, Google us, give us a call. We'll definitely help you in that way. Or you can go on to our shop wines at breathlesswines.com. And I, I would love to put up a, a special for the Incandescent Woman, so I'm thinking the code's going to be I can, and uh, we'll, we'll have that, that code up there um, for 15% off.
0: Oh, wow, that's great. So we're going to, and you guys are part of the February 2021 issue of Incandescent Women magazine. This is our love issue, and there's no better way to celebrate love, I think, than with some breathless wine. And just really thrilled to have met you, ladies. I, you know, I toast to your success doing what you know is right. Is there anything better than that, right? So, cheers to Breathless. You are listening to the Women Who Make Us Wine Show. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, creator of Incandescent, here with my co-host Jim Morris from Charles Creek Winery, and just the best wine guy we know. So, Penny, Sharon, thank you. Here's to your success. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Have a great week, everyone.